0: Look how fast he's going, polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords, rain soak Lorde's. Getting the last step down, the crowd is roaring, he is going to do it, he's going to smash the time oh. Oh, Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. How's it, welcome back, how are we doing? This is Moving the Needle Podcast, I'm Andrew Needling. thanks for downloading this episode, thanks for all the reviews, I appreciate it, I get all the messages. Guys, strap yourself in, because we've got another version of bench racing, and I've got the likes of Sven Martin, the legendary photographer that is normally at the races. Well, he's here in South Africa, and he's joining me. And then more of a surprise, we've roped in Brooke MacDonald, what a legend. We all know about the story of his injury, but he's also back on pace, but he did decide to miss the last round of the World Cup, and Eddie Masters, they're both back in New Zealand, The people's champ, Eddie Masters, always having a good time. The all-rounder, they're stuck in quarantine. So they were excited to get on the call and do some bench racing. It's nice to hear from them that they were at Maribor. So now they've got a kind of a taste for what it's like to do a double header. They got some awesome insight. We go around on all sorts of tangents, so excuse us. But like I said, strap yourself in. It's going to be fun. Without further ado, let's get to the episode where we bench race everything downhill mountain biking, from the World Cup series in Loza, where they crowned an overall champion, enjoy. Ed, did you win any money on the Melbourne Cup?
1: Nah, um, nah, not at all, eh? Oh, it's bad. I um, I had, I had Finch, and he. Uh, uh yeah. Yeah, I had, um, and he just faded real hard. I was gutted. Yeah, that sucks, bro. That horse that won was yeah. random,
0: mate. Yeah, because it like led the whole race. Yeah. Are we horse? We drive, Are we, we horse up bench up the... racing or World Cup bench racing today? We're
2: we're horse bench racing. All... This is the race that stops they're... the nation. Um, but that's yeah, fine.
0: Yeah, Do you horses. want to send out some pics for is your it... friends? What's uh, what's the hot bet? I think the race happened already.
3: Uh. It's happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the
1: race has already gone. Run right and done.
3: Would, would you say horse racing is the equivalent in mountain biking as e-bike racing where you need the smallest jockey and then because you've got the power to weight ratio just like the horses and jockeys, you need the smallest jockey on the fastest motor or the uh, most watts?
1: Yeah, exactly. No, nah, because a horse, a horse has a mind of its own. so uh, And a horse can be, horses can be really emotional as well. So one, on, on its day, any horse could turn up, fire it up, and win a race.
3: So you reckon people aren't emotional in bike racing?
1: No, no, but an e-bike, the engine isn't emotional. It's always going to well, turn up like the Specialized.
3: Could be temperamental, though. <laughs> could be temperamental like, <laughs> yeah. like Charlie's one, right?
1: Yeah. So Charlie's, Charlie's engine on that day was quite temperamental <laughs> and um, decided
0: that – so Charlie's horse decided that it had, had enough. It's been uh, good chatting horse racing but I'd like to intro us for what we're on the call for. We are going to bench race. I like to call it bench racing. And I'm, I'm super excited because we've got legendary Brooke McDonald. You've, you've uh, come back from what is said to be one of the, the craziest and emotional uh, injuries of, of anyone's life. And we've also got Eddie Masters. I like to call him the new people's champ. Always having a good time but hard working. You guys are back in quarantine I've got Sven Martin, legendary photographer, next to me. I actually gave him a COVID test as he walked in the door straight to the back of the skull. So, guys, how are we doing today and how are you surviving uh, quarantine, Eddie?
1: Uh, I'm doing good, actually. I just um, picked up my daily allowance of gin and tonics. It's my last night in quarantine, so I'm celebrating. And, um, yeah, I'm bloody looking forward to getting out of here, though. It's been, yeah, the last few days here in my hotel room have started to drag out somewhat. So, um, yeah, freedom, freedom is looking pretty good. I'm uh, not going to lie.
0: Well, Brooke, you've uh, been pretty resilient to say the least, um, but it sounds like this quarantine thing has kind of pushed you to the limits. I know you guys did the, the half marathon in your room. How are you surviving? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. uh, I'm pretty over it now. Um, Just like I was pretty over the last uh, probably 4K of that quarantine run. So, yeah, I'm probably feeling the same as uh, when I did that. But, yeah, I've got – well, I've got technically another whole day um, left because they're going to let me out at um, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, there's no point in me getting out then because I don't – there's no flight home and uh, whatnot. So I've got an early flight the next morning. So – yeah, it's uh, it's actually something that I hopefully will not be doing again because yeah, I, I really don't want to be uh, sitting in a hotel uh, for for two weeks
3: again. And Eddie, um, it looked like well, two questions, one statement, one question. Are oh, your gin and tonics on the taxpayer? And two, out of the four of you boys that ran the half mile, it looked like you had the shittest room.
1: Um, the answer to the gin and tonics is no, these are, uh, these are on me $22 for six, which is pretty reasonable for a for hotel rates. I'd say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I definitely had the worst, um, running conditions I'd say as yeah. Having the shorter room meant I had to turn around a lot more and, um, uh, I haven't really uh, done much since the run. I was probably, I was, I was bedridden for a couple of days, honestly. Um, I've only, only today am I probably walking again, so um, yeah, it was rough, but it was a good way to, it was actually really good to kill time, um, planning the event, doing all the PR, and then actually doing it, and then because I was so cooked after it, all my limbs and everything were so sore. I couldn't really do anything for two days after, so that killed two days as well. So it's actually been I, yeah, I'd recommend anyone in quarantine to do it. It's a good way to kill a week.
3: <laughs> and 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 <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got that ahead of me in a in a couple of weeks' time. Um but, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking but,
1: forward to seeing
3: it. Yeah. But then uh Brooke Brooke then Eddie, um, why don't you tell us why both of you guys chose to come home um in a shortened season, chose to come home one race early, you could say you could have done the off week plus another week. Um, what was your reasoning, Brooke, to not, I guess, do a full season and choose to come home early?
2: Um, yeah, I guess for me, um, my biggest reason I was coming home was because I felt like I haven't had a break since, uh, since my accident. And i probably, you know, probably had a week off, um, you know, since, that uh, day one in hospital. So um, my original plan was to go to Maribor and sorry, to um, Portugal. But when I found out that there was going to be no overall and um, that potentially it could be canceled and the quarantine, I was like, yeah, I'm going to come home. Um, So I made that decision at world champs and then found out that there was going to be an overall overall, um, World Cup series, which uh, which you know pissed me off a little bit because, you know, I don't think you can um, you can claim to be a, a World Cup champion with uh two two rounds. So, yeah, that was a bit of, bit of a disappointment. But I already made my decision to come home, and I just kind of wanted to get this quarantine, um, done so I could h- go home and have a break and not be uh, you know, coming home and in the start of December and having to get back into training again. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's my biggest, uh, reasoning of coming home.
3: Yeah. Well, w- well deserved. And, and like you said, your first break in, in over a year since your accident. So yeah, definitely, uh, um, applaud you for that. Cheers, brother.
0: And Eddie, and, um, uh, can, yeah, well, you obviously put, picked up pretty, pretty brutal injury to be racing on in, um, in Maribor?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess on paper I did, but, um, you know, like we were talking before, um, like uh, obviously I was in pain and stuff, but I was able to physically ride, so um, I was more than happy as long as I wasn't going to do any um, lasting damage to myself to keep riding. Um, It did suck, because obviously didn't get the kind of results that I would have liked, but I was pretty happy with how it all panned out for me. But we kind of um, we kind of banked on. Originally, we kind of banked on Looser, probably, most probably getting cancelled. So um, we booked my flights as if uh, on on paper it was going to get cancelled. And then when it seemed like it wasn't, um, I just kind of posed the question to Bernie if it was okay for me to go home on my original flights because because um, with the two week. Uh, government quarantine and stuff we have to do here and then with the flights that were available for me to change to I still wouldn't have got home to New Zealand out of quarantine until the end of November um, which is like the same as Brooke uh, you know, then it's only three weeks till Christmas and then you're all back into it um, so with racing the enduros and doing crank works and stuff we'd already done like a fair chunk of racing and quite a lot more than everyone else than, than most other people had. So um, he was okay with that, which was pretty nice because I wasn't expecting him to be keen. And um, yeah, just kind of, you know, ended ended the season for me at Maribor um, and kind of go home, reset, let the body recover. I got beat up in that week. So, you know, it was quite, it actually worked out for the best and then looking forward to 2021 as hopefully without, um you know hopefully get a full season in because sometimes it feels like it takes me a little while to warm into it and then um it'll be nice to have that summer of racing and then straight back into the swing of things next year
0: yeah i mean you excuse me you did a lot of racing the enduro etc i mean what a, a fascinating year and almost like a human experiment for all of us but we did get some racing in they did crown an overall so I think we should jump straight into loser. You guys for, you know, Brooke's been watching a bit of racing, but Eddie, for you at home, let's hear your thoughts on the course. Now, when I first looked at it and and looked at some of the helmet cams and then the pedal, I mean, the first person that sprung to mind was Greg. I thought this thing looked like Peter Maritzburg was going to ride similar and then the, it's a long course. So thoughts on the course, Eddie, and then quick one from Brooke. Um yeah, that was probably the hardest part
1: is seeing the course. It looked so good. The dirt looked amazing. Um, it looked like a real bike rider's course. Um, obviously, you had quite a physical aspect in the bottom, and then um, the jumps jumps and stuff looked like, like they really lent themselves to people who could squash and also carry and maintain speed. Um, but, yeah, I was pretty – yeah. <laughs> I had a, a, a bit of a case of FOMO because um, – Yeah, it just looked really good, and I think Brayton even said that maybe this was the new Schladming, and I was like, I didn't want to hear that. (laughs) So uh, yeah, no, it it looked sick um, from the outside looking in, and I was impressed with the with the um, the coverage, which you know you could actually you actually had a good with with both the races, you had a good idea of kind of what the riders were tackling.
0: And Brooke, obviously, probably a bit of FOMO considering you're sitting in a hotel room hating life. I mean, and, and seeing a course like that. Thoughts on the course? And if you, a rider, sprung to mind, you thought, shucks, after seeing that course, he's probably going to do well.
2: Um, yeah, definitely had FOMO after, um, after watching that first day of uh, Vital Raw. Um, yeah, like you said, it's it sort of sprung to mind of similar to South Africa, kind of look look similar to South Africa and um I guess it had like a mix of of a lot of uh a lot of different tracks in there which um which I thought was really good because it seemed like there was a lot of uh line choices as well um which I mean you know that nowadays we don't really get a get a hell of a lot of that so um yeah it kind of looked like it uh it was actually a, a proper racetrack and um yeah it's a to be honest, I kind of, um, yeah, I just, I didn't really know what uh, what to expect. I knew that Manar was definitely going to be a strong rider on there, but obviously with uh, Vergier and, and Walker and Bruni, um, you know, with with them, those guys in the mix, it was sort of, you know, a, a, um, an all out battle. But um, yeah, kind of, um, I knew, I knew when Manar had that. Uh, that time training in the bag and i thought yeah this this definitely something that he could do and uh potentially win on and then yeah to see him win that that first race was um yeah wasn't a surprise
3: yeah it's 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 exactly what you said about and time training um being from the older rider when back in the day we even had one extra half day of practice greg's always really ramped up to the end and he always peaks at the end. And when I saw that time training, I thought, oh, well, it's definitely an an anomaly for him to be going fast that early. And I kind of wrote it off because it's time training instead of thinking the opposite, thinking, oh, now he's just gonna get faster because like that's what he does. Um, So it definitely wasn't an anomaly. And, And it's almost weird because I would have put Manar doing better at the second race than the first race and loic doing better at the first race because <clears throat> oh shit Andrew, andrew's gonna cut that out because yeah, maybe because uh, loic <laughs> loic has his like his team of split timers and on the first race they had a lot more time two time older sections when the second race he was stressing hard because he only had that half short practice to dial in this the slight line changes that he needed on the second track. Um, and he was pushing up a hell of a lot on his runs on the on the second race, just to make use of those like timing, timing the you know the splits with his with his crew. So it was weird to, to me. It was almost like a, a switch of how I expected. If you had to choose between um, you know, if, if you didn't, if you ignored Loris and you and you looked at the results from Greg and Loic, I I kind of initially thought it would be the other way around.
0: But I mean, he has not Greg's hasn't timed fastest many times he's done it at maritzburg which shows you he was confident and i think uh, loik he's been speaking about focus like the whole year and and maybe that's what's happening greg's been pretty ultra focused i think that shows how confident and how naturally fast he was in that track to come out probably was soft pedaling it as well or maybe kind of his soft pedaling is pretty hard anyway you know so uh, when i saw that time run i was like that's dangerous like if greg's fast already And in a timed run, which he doesn't always push, he's kind of gauging himself, as Sven said. And then you've got Loic, I think he's just lacked focus and you could see like fire in the belly for the second run. So Eddie, I mean, it's a pretty bummer to see Loris, like he qualified fastest at race one, but it just didn't really go his way. And he was like the man kind of to beat coming into Loza. Oh,
1: definitely. He's been like, um, from day one in Maribor. he was, you know, visibly like the informed guy. Um, He obviously had a great pre-season with the French Cups. And, um, you know, maybe you could probably argue that, uh, you know, these double-headed races lend themselves to, like, almost double-headed performances. So, like, him going 1-1, you only, you know, you've just, they talk about riding the wave of confidence and stuff. And um, so he definitely was riding that wave. And essentially he went 1-1-1 before the wheels fell off. Um, which was like disappointing to see, and like I think there is a space for argument that um, you know, like should there have been an overall because it only takes, you know, it only took it took a basically. Loris Vergier lost the overall because of a flat tire. Um, but yeah, gutted to see it, but then it also um, with only a four race series. It couldn't have worked out better for, like, the storytelling. Um, it was pretty exciting. And I think it's also worth, to mention, add to, uh, worth mentioning that, like, Greg, Greg was almost calling a big result before the race even started. You could tell he was super confident the way he was, like, talking on Instagram and stuff. Obviously, they've, they've done a lot of testing there. So I kind of had an inkling that he was going to um, – not that he was going to win – but you could tell that there was a confident Greg Minard turning up.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it, it played the overall is tough. Like like Brooks said, and uh, it is tough to. It, there's almost always going to be an asterisk to this season. It's 2020. It was. I mean, with the rain coming down, I was like, I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, well, that's pretty ironic. That's 2020 summed up in this race. The poor guys at the end of the field are going to get the weather. It's pretty unlucky. It's pretty odd, but it shows you in four races you have to be consistent and it's unfortunate for loris but matt walker was that i mean he was so consistent and even like i couldn't believe our foster guys went in race two qualifying i'm thinking surely you're going to save your legs but they're just riding so confidently naturally and and they're like a step above the other guys because they know what's on the on the line and i think matt walker as much as people say it's an asterisk You've gotta you've gotta commend the guy for how relaxed he he seemed on the outside, um, how mature he is in his interviews, just focused on himself, and it was almost less pressure for him. He made it seem that way, you know, and he was the most consistent guy, and that's what was gonna win a four race series at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, I think he I think he definitely rode that wave, like Eddie said, from the beginning of Maribor, because yeah, from the from the beginning he was what, I think, you know, second, was he second fastest qualifier? For race, race two, one.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, well, for race two, he was second as far as I know. Second or yeah, third, we're uh, bringing them up now. I've got my statistician next to us, Sven's producing the show.
2: Pretty sure he was in the top three qualifying for all four races and top three for all four races as well
0: yeah well he went which is unreal he went four three two three for his race results but you're totally right brooke yeah like he was right there in quali even when you would say sandbag the quali save your legs he was right there in race two quali yeah yeah i mean but
2: it's mad it's mad to think that he won the overall without uh, actual win
3: and, and and matt walker coming as a as a photographer because i i get to you you know, you guys are, are seeing it in, in person. This is the first live feed I've watched. Um, this is the first Red Bull live feed I've watched in, in the entirety. I've only had the, missed one of the World Cup in 12 years, which was Andorra a couple of years ago. Oh, but I was busy at EWS, so I, I couldn't watch the live feed. So I'm used to seeing Matt Walker in photographs. You know, he comes through a section and, and you see the section in front of you. But there's not one, if you look at any photo of Matt Walker... You will not find fault with one bit of body, head, shoulder, neck positioning on any corner. He he has that like he has him and um him and Remy, Remy Perfect technique. There's just perfect technique. You you cannot if you're like writing a textbook, you cannot find one thing wrong with Matt Walker's writing. And and he's always been like that from when he was doing well in junior. But now he's added a bit of looseness, which which was probably brought on by the track being so loose. But he's added a little bit of aggression. And and like he said himself, he, he kind of did take a bit of risk because he didn't know what was on the line. And it's the first time I've seen him having a, a stitch of like Amri Piron and, and a little bit of risk and looseness. And I think that is definitely by by race four um, or race two at this round was brought on by the deteriorating track. And thank God we only had... A field of like a hundred and like a hundred <clears throat> riders. Because can you imagine if we had a 200 strong world cup field trying to do a double header on one track? What would happen to that track?
0: It'd be destroyed. So, guys, I was, I mean, we're jumping around a bit, but what what stood out to me was Matt Walker. Definitely, he's riding pretty clinical, reminds me of Craig. he's methodical about his preparation. But the guys... If I just
1: add one more thing into Matt Walker. Please. Um, Yeah, yeah. So his best result in 2019 was Maribor. So he would have been going into Maribor confident as hell. And that basically springboarded him for all four of those races. So um, obviously he didn't win a race, but being the most consistent guy. And he was also like... The, yeah, there's no... There's no, You can't take it away from him. He, he definitely he won the series. No, 100%. Um,
0: with the th- series that was put in front of him, whether it played into his favor or not, he earned every little bit of that. And I was speaking to the last Benz Racing with Miles, and he said, you know, he, he's going to win a lot more. And I said, we have to see it at other tracks. You know, I, I believe he will. But his, his only podiums before Loser had come at Maribol. Like, that's the only venue that we'd okay. seen a podium. But that didn't mean that he couldn't do it. And he stepped up. I mean, now he's at a at a physical track. It had all sorts of riding. So you're totally right, Eddie. Like, it played into his favor, and he, and he ran. Momentum is a huge thing in racing. It is just so big. And it can disappear so quick.
1: Um, Oh, what was I about to say? I had a... <laughs> uh, oh, so it would be interesting. I'm not the stat man, but it would be interesting to see um, after the fourth race... How many people? How many? So whoever's landing the series after the fourth fourth race, whether it had changed hands.
0: Yeah, we can we can look look that up and text each other. But I, I mean, I do think it changes hands. But I think once you've got through four races and you're in the top three, you know, it's tough to fight back. Um, but we must we must look at that because some guys have had a bad race and pulled back. So that is interesting, and he would have been up there. Uh, but things can change over a seven race series when you start taking a break. Another guy brings momentum, he goes on a winning streak, you know, and if you can win a few races and you're only getting 4th, 5th, 6th or 7th, you know, if you have a bad race. So Matt didn't have a bad race. He wasn't outside the podium.
3: What do you what do you guys attribute Loris's, um like like you said it it, it ran to ground when he flattered and that maybe s- messed him up for the next race? Um do you think being the bridesmaid to Loic for so long and then on syndicate, even if he was getting better results than Minar, are you still the number two rider, although they are quite a level headed team? Because I, I did some some non-Daniel shoots with him in, in the middle of the year before um before Murrayball, and I've never seen him that disciplined and strict. He wouldn't take milk in his coffee, but he said he usually does, and he's usually got quite a sweet tooth. He refused like he literally was watching every calorie. So if someone's going that deep into watching what he's eating, then you've got to know that his rest of his actual prep. I've never seen his upper body as, as strong as this before. If you remember when he was that little um, LaPierre kid slapping his head on the ground at um, that one track uh Norway, um, he was a skinny little kid. And like, Hafen is bulked up everywhere. Loris has just bulked up on his upper body. He's got some of the strongest arms. Like, what? What do you think the motivation was? Was it like contract year, so I'm going to work harder and show everybody what I can do? Is it just being frustrated to losing to Loic the whole time? Because like you know, Loic was kind of wasn't the news this year until the very end.
1: Um, yeah, I think obviously if you're, you know, if you are playing like the proverbial like bridesmaid. Um, That's going to wind you up. But then I think, um, you know, it's a lot. One way to get fast is to get physical, like to get faster, like skills wise. But when you're at the pointy end of the field, it's pretty hard to actually get more skilled than any of those other guys. So another way you can get faster is by, you know, finding marginal gains in your physical stuff. And um, that's probably a lot easier than actually picking up better skills so he's probably gone through his whole program with a fine tooth comb and been like well you know if I can get one percent faster you know one percent physically better and that translates to one percent faster on a track then I can find that two seconds that is the difference between you know fourth fifth third and start getting wins and I think that's what he did
0: and Brooke, I mean, let's let's add to that. If if we're talking marginal gains, I mean, how much mental prep, or you know, if you work with a psychologist and you get that fine tuned, like, don't you think you can kind of fire at a higher level more consistently if you work on the mental side? Like, that could come with experience. It could could come from yes, motivation and ticking all the boxes.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I personally, I, I have. Uh, I've never worked with one and I was obviously given the opportunity to work with one with uh, my accident and I went over some stuff with, with a guy and I just never really felt like I, you know, I really needed one, but, um, you know, for some people, I think it can be a a big benefit and, you know, in finding that percentage and marginal gain. Um, so yeah, maybe Loris did find something like that or has been working with someone, but yeah, I just think, um, yeah, maybe maybe contract year, like Sven said. And and I think um, you know, all those French cups that those guys raced, uh, he definitely would have got a um you know, would have would have seen um where he was sitting coming into World Cups and obviously maybe knew that he could prep himself well to to be uh, you know, be a strong finisher for that sort of end of season when we were sort of, you know, wrapped up racing by then. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I didn't really see him too much this year and, um, you know, I didn't really, I only really seen him in riding videos and I, I, you know, I could actually tell that he was, you know, physically stronger and and watching him on the bike. Um, he looked, he looked really strong. So, um, yeah, I think he's probably done a lot of, a lot of prep in the, in the off season, which, you know, our season was, you know, extended. So. Um, there was that um more of a more of a gain to get in um preparation. So yeah, I think uh probably a lot of that added together really put him in good form for for racing.
3: Yeah, man. Um yeah, well you touched on something like you didn't really see him. Um, I don't think the people out there realize how different this year was for all of us. Um I was not in the pits once this whole year, worlds all the world cups. You guys in the pits couldn't finally, finally, (laughs) finally, yeah. Thank you, guys. (laughs) But you you guys couldn't mix with other teams, you um, and you had to stay self contained and and zips down and getting handed yellow cards for any COVID infringements. So, it, it, um, to everyone out there listening, it's been a very bizarre year. You know, Greg touched on it that it was weird to do so well but not have the fans, um, and so did Loic. and, And we know Loic loves the fans that love him, and that's feed like but, but that's um, a
0: huge thing some guys need that to get motivated yeah yeah I feel I I really feel like um I was affected
2: by COVID this year like I I honestly felt like I was riding my best that I've ever ridden coming into Crankworks, and Crankworks was fine like you know because it didn't it, it was a, it was a big race for me um and you know to come back and and actually, you know, put a race run together was was good. But um I just didn't I I don't know, I, there was semi normal, but um yeah, when I went straight to Worlds, I just really, you know, I kind of struggled to get my head around the whole COVID situation, you know, mm-hmm. having to carry my credential, having to carry my mask. I'm you know, I hadn't raced for a year, so I wasn't used to that stuff and just, you know, Having to have that in my mind, okay. I oh, have you got your mask? Have you got your credential? Like, you know, the, that's the last thing that I want to be doing. I, I want to be focused riding my bike and, you know, having to get out of the gondola and put my mask on before I go to the start gate. All that sort of stuff, um, I felt really affected me. And um, yeah, it kind of put me off um, racing because, you know, I just had to feel, I felt like I had to focus a lot on that and put a lot of energy into that. And with no fans and and that sort of thing, it kind of made it made it weird as well and yeah, went into Maribor and um that first race like qualifying crashed, race run crashed, and I was just I was so over it and just like just mentally drained from having to think about everything else that was going on and um I just really couldn't focus on my on my racing and um yeah, I felt that it was very difficult for myself I don't know what other people thought but yeah I kind of I kind of struggle with that but now knowing what we potentially have to deal with I feel like I probably will be a lot more prepared for the following year
3: well you came to Europe and your goal was achieved by racing and racing at the highest level and performing at the highest level not just token racing because you you were leading out the team at Crankworks and at Maribor in training which you're only doing when you're the faster guy and you're confident. So, um, again, Brooke, that was that was amazing. And we saw some moments of sheer hundred percent Brooke McDonald this year. Um, so you can uh, you can be proud of yourself for ticking off that and like you said, reset for next year.
0: But Brooke, I heard something you're saying like you felt the best, you've been riding. Are you are you at the point that you're already over people saying, Well done, you came back from injury. and you're like well, I feel good. Like I want to get the results I know I can get. Is that already fire in your belly? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm hearing that a lot. Like I could see your face. Sorry yeah. to butt in. Like when you finished crankworks and you said your goal was a top 10, I said to Cam, I was like, and Elliot, I was like, I don't know. The the look I see there is like, you, as a racer, you don't care what you've come from. You're there to do a job or you, you have certain goals and you, you want to do better. And it sounds like you're almost like enough telling me I'm back. Like I want to, show you that i'm racing i don't want any excuses kind of thing yeah 100 percent. and like for me
2: that was the biggest thing that i was you know semi worried about was just the fact of people coming up to me and saying that and don't get me wrong it it honestly means a lot to me but you know at the end of the day um you know like you said i'm there to do my job and i just want to race my bike and you know as I don't want it to sound bad, but as much as I, you know, like to be told like, man, this is an amazing comeback. what you know, all that sort of stuff. It does mean a lot, but you know, I do, I do get tired of hearing that because, you know, I don't want that to become an excuse for me when I'm racing. Like, you know, when I, when I, I finish badly, I'm like, you know, I can't, you know, I don't want to go back and blame it on that. And like, You know, for example, like Maribor, people were like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, this is just a big achievement for you even coming back in racing and which, you know, that was my biggest goal was to race, you know, come back and race the World Cup. And, like, at the end of the day, I'm a racer and, you know, whether it's, you know, whether I come back from a broken back, i still, you know, disappointed that I crashed in both of my runs because I wanted to be up there and I wanted to be, you know, potentially contending with you know the top 10 or top 15 so um yeah it it does I think it gets to a point where you know people will definitely stop saying that but I think um from you know my injury and what I you know went through and dealt with there's there's always going to be people telling me how amazing of a comeback it is and you know that that definitely means a lot to me but you know deep down I'm a racer and I you know I I've you know totally forgot about that you know, I, I every day I've, I've, you know, forgotten about that. I've had a back injury until someone reminds me. So, yeah, it's just something that I would, you know, rather not have in the back of my mind and, and being, you know, kept reminded um, to just, you know, be able to just race my bike and forget about that and move on.
0: Dude, I love hearing that. That shows the clear dedication and, and your attitude. I think everyone is inspired by that as well. I love hearing that you're, you're ready to race. You're ready to race hard. So, thanks for sharing that with us. We can jump back yeah, to the men. Um, we can I'll, ju- I'll just jump in. No, not anymore, Eddie. Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I honestly, I honestly thought Brooke was going to win uh, Innsbruck downhill with how fast he is riding. And uh, me, me and Laurie like talked about it. We were like, Dude, he's fucking flying. Um, so yeah. Like I can fully get behind where you don't want like the spinal thing to define, because like I can see it that you you are, you know, like even like you said you, you 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 could be writing the best ever. So I think it's not if it's when, um, yeah. So it'll 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 happen and it'll be fucking good to see.
0: I yeah. couldn't I couldn't agree more. I was watching the videos from Crank and I was like, this guy's not only back, he's going so fast. It's actually <laughs> it's actually scary. So let's shift gears, guys. We can come back for any thoughts, anything we've forgotten. But let's move over to the woman because we had a proper title hunt on our hand, and as well as Marine Cabarou, I mean she went one, two, two, one. And in the past eight races, so obviously using some of twenty nineteen, she's got five wins. And she's also equaled Miriam's World Cup win uh tally. So um, that was impressive to see. Um, I think the women's field is exciting to watch. I don't know. You guys are at home probably for the first time watching the full broadcast. Uh, let me hear your thoughts, Eddie.
1: Uh, so it's funny how we're talking Loris and Loic, and then we have Marine and Miriam. And it's like you've got the same thing happening in the women's class where – You know, like Marines trying to get out of the shadow of Miriam. And now now it's happening. Um, But it's, I reckon it's just so good. Like, it's just elevating women's downhill because, you know, I was, it it was exciting to watch and um, they're riding seriously fast. Like, I always try and, I always try and like, Put it into, you know, put it to someone who doesn't understand it. It's like, I wouldn't be able to do the time that they do. Like, at no point are you cruising to do that time on any, on a World Cup course that the women are racing to win with. Um, you're like, you're seriously moving through every section. Um, and now we've got, you know, you've got different people winning. Cammy won world champs. Nina Hoffman won at Marivor. Tracy was world cup champ last year. Tani was qualifying first in this race two. Miriam won. Marine won. Like, it's wide open and it's, yeah. I reckon it's bloody good to see.
3: Yeah, man. Um, the, like, with how the sale Markov team had the the new kits this year, you literally had to look at the helmet to see if it was Miriam or Remy or um, De Prella because they were riding like when you saw quick little clips of them, they all look equally good. You couldn't tell Oh, that's, that's obviously a girl riding and, and that's a guy. And and it, it even goes to show like when they do the vital raw stuff, um, vital raw is vital raw. It's not meant to be politically correct. We're not going to put X amount of juniors and X amount of women to keep the balance. You're only getting in vital raw if you're looking good. And you're seeing a hell of a lot of juniors and women creeping into Vital Raw Clips because they're just earning their spot, so to speak, you know. Um, I, w- I will say Maureen has had the slight benefit of, of the only one of all those, um, Tani, um, Miriam, uh, and even uh, Rachel Atherton to to not have a major injury, which I'm not going to say is why she's done better and had more wins more recently, which is definitely riding on that wave of com, you know, confidence, like like Omri was doing, until he's received his big injury, you know, and, and we'll see how he comes back with that next year. So, so in my mind, out of the two races, she probably had the best single race run on on race one, um, just attacking, like I've I've never seen her attack before. Like it, it, I didn't know if that was men's replays from Quali. I, it, it really looked like um they're gonna hate me for saying it but they look like a guy <laughs> riding
0: wild well, jump in i mean <laughs> she she clearly was riding confident that was a commanding win and that led to a crash in quali in race two which is there's no point so she's probably gonna get kicking herself but she's probably riding so confidently that's just the speed she's going and at that speed little things can happen a rock can, and the track and the track like the the tracks are deteriorating so she'll be kicking herself but it's kind of like she's riding so well so she crashes big time she was showed blood on her face um so she gets back up, and I think that just derailed that confidence like it just you it takes a while to get, and then within a second it's gone, and you guys would know so Brooke, I mean, speak to that, Miriam's crashed in quali, and then marine's gone and taken the overall
2: yeah, um, definitely I think uh I think people work differently with that sort of stuff as well, where um you know with something like that and um i guess it's it was an important race the qualifying was definitely important because it gives you you know obviously confidence going into that final race where you had maximum points and um i i feel like from watching her from race one to race two that crash definitely knocked her confidence and and watching Marin ride she rode she had so much aggression and, and her riding style was like, you know, like a dude's riding style and she rides so quick and, and, you know, really f- fights that bike and makes it look like, you know, there's a lot going on. And, um, yeah, I really think that, um, Pom just probably lost, uh, lost that confidence for, for race run. I actually don't know what happened to her, but, um, you know, I don't know if she was beaten up or, or what um she's bleeding
0: yeah, she yeah well i think you might be one of the few or the only rider that doesn't lose confidence from a crash we've seen that over the yeah, there so like i, was, I like I how about, you clump everyone in that. i'm like yeah brooke anyway you're the only one that doesn't lose confidence <laughs> yeah. when you hit the ground and hit it hard so but yeah marine was aggressive hey brooke she does she's like aggressive She's trying to make speed from every little bump. She's late braking. She delivered under pressure. I mean, she knew what was on the line, and she delivered under pressure. Um, That was amazing to see. But I do think, factually, Tane was less prepared because of the injury, because she didn't get to do pre-races. Like It's not something she intentionally did. It was just fact of the matter, and she was gaining speed as this World Cup season kind of progressed. You know?
3: Yeah, everyone thinks Tane will be upset with the result, but she was actually... Quite happy. I mean, she rode a downhill bike two weeks before World Champs was the first time since her injury, and um, and she's just doing what her body would allow her, and and being smart. And and why go into another off season by pushing too hard when you you're not ready yet? Uh, why go into another you know with another injury? So like you know how she usually fights for the win. So you would assume she'd be upset with a third or or like not happy, but she. She was super happy. And she was still riding well, just didn't, you know, turn it up a tiny notch. And that's her body telling her not to just yet.
0: And, I mean, Nina Hoffman, speaking of leaving it all on track, I mean, she left, left it all on track on, on race two. She came off a fifth in race one. But, I mean, she was strong on the pedal. She's coming off a World Cup win. I mean, that's so cool to see another lady in the mix there that can win races. She was second, you know, only sort of less than two seconds behind Marine who had a stormer. Yeah, definitely. Do, you reckon,
1: uh, do you reckon she's going to end up on syndicate at some point
0: or nah? But I thought that was the rumor going into this year and that didn't happen.
3: No, it, it just results don't get you on syndicate, they help. So um, it, it, I'd say never say never, but a, a lot of people just, you know, they're, they're like, oh, syndicate has to have a, a woman race. It's like yes and no. Um, and, you know. Is that just because she's on a? Is that
0: just because she's on a Santa Cruz that you would say is she going to go on syndicate? Is yeah. that what people are saying? Well, well, well,
3: people. Are, I mean, I, I, I am, an, I really do think these top teams should have a junior, uh, a, f- a female racer, and two or three, you know, two elite males, a, a, an elite woman, and a junior. I think to be an elite World Cup trade team, that should be a prerequisite. You can't get all the benefits of being an elite team unless you have that. It, I, I, I think for i think you should that should be a uci rule there's already too many rules with the uci but that one to be an elite uci world cup team would make sense for me but it also means you know you don't just get put on a team at the moment even just the logo of the syndicate is three interlinking chains so there are three interlinking riders at present maybe maybe next year there isn't three interlinking riders so um so never say never
0: well Greg's clearly not retiring for another 5 years after this result so you're going to hope that Luca <laughs> yeah, yeah. moves on or Loris moves on like so you're screwed there but um yeah let's I'd, lo- uh, I'd love to be a-
1: I'd love to be able to say oh come on Greg let's just uh let's just finish it mate you're flogging a dead horse but he's well and truly not <laughs> <laughs> like he's
0: still in... Doing- He's doing stuff that I wish I could do, yeah, he's basically in it, he said, till he's like not competitive, you know, and that could be taking podiums and now he goes and wins that that second is probably the that is dangerous for everyone. He got second of the last race, he's pissed off going into an off season, so he's going to get boozed up, relaxed, and then come out firing for twenty twenty one
3: yeah uh, he'll be around for ten years yeah i w- I will say as loose as the syndicate. Are and have been in the past. This is the first and only season in recent memory that they've reinstated their alcohol race week ban that they used to have way back when Rennie was on the team and he kept getting fined and and, and maybe <laughs> even kicked off eventually. But um, this, I stayed with them in, in Maribor, um, breaking the team bubble as with media.
0: Oh, you just got him DQ'd out of the World Cup overalls. Yeah, sir. that's a shame. Oh. Um,
3: we were in separate restaurants. Okay, no, we're in we are in separate floors as well. But it's the first time I've actually seen a syndicate, not just, um, yeah, they were sticking to their, normally on track walk day and first run practice day, there's still lots of red wine going around at dinner at night. This is the first week... From Monday. But
0: are you surprised? I mean, you'd be a retard to do that. No, double, d- double. I, I was he's surprised. He's, he's not too smart. Too smart. They've, to do They've been
3: drinking heavily mid- what do you week call it? <laughs> including for Loris and Luke have been dragged yeah. into oh, it. No. And Petey. and now is the first time. I oh, know one in
0: race weekend. There's no ways Craig's going to do that. He mate, already said in the podcast. Mate, he's they like- do
3: it regardless. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen Why? them adhere to
0: race week. There's no ways an experienced guy like Greg he knows he's dude, old he gets hangovers okay now. then why
3: was he drinking heavily before quality days last year and the year before okay i need Eddie, Are you hearing me that was a I, one race yeah, week hey one and race this is a
0: two race dude, week that, okay, okay. two
3: qualis. so so in a one race in I'll a run one, one race week they were drinking four days <laughs> a week so now you're thinking a two race week they would just drink two days a week no they didn't mm-hmm. drink anything so what i'm saying is Greg's is the first prepared. time no, now Greg is smart and prepared. It's the first time I've seen him hungry and, and wanting the <laughs> tension to be back on him because um, maybe he's – maybe Laura's pushed him. And, and, but, yeah, so hats off to the syndicate, your race, because even Petey wasn't drinking, which was a surprise. Anc and I try to have – Okay,
0: but that I can't comment on. Then, then, yeah, no, you see? No, then so I mean, that's
3: what I'm yes. saying. Things have changed. If Petey's not drinking –
0: example. Yeah, you've but you've got a lead by example. So what oh, I'm gosh, saying Greg's gonna what have I'm saying, half of Rennie's uh, <laughs> Petey's wine. Pete's gonna leave a glass of wine, then Greg can't say no, so then he'll have it.
3: This is the first time I've seen the syndicate
0: a glass, a bottle you make. Getting, oh, sorry, what did I say? Glass. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying, this is the first time I've seen the syndicate take racing seriously, and look at that a Santa Cruz won three of the four races. No,
0: fair enough. And Luca's back on pace. That's great to see. But we let's not digress here. We've Tracy,
3: got a couple more women. Yeah.
0: Tracy Hannah. Her, I mean, could you write a funnier, better script? And she took it like a champion. She charged all the way to the end. What was she doing, waving she was, her hand? She was in sight Wait, of the finish, and she, she was waving. She was waving. She was
3: waving, and she was, eh? Yeah, yeah. She was pe- waving at the live feed. Just
0: before the pedaling. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's awesome. But then, I mean, who else is going to crash within the finish line? You, I mean, most people be like, it's my last race at least want to cross without a crash. And she's like, I'm just giving it my all and I'm going to overturn and overjump this She hip. did the
3: same thing in the race three. I she mean... almost crashed race three, same spot, <laughs> but she almost bounced out the other side of the course.
2: Yeah, <laughs> she almost did that in, in the yeah. race, uh, race, uh, three, race yeah. one
3: at Port- Yeah, yeah. So now she was probably like, oh, don't crash out the left side of the course like I almost did on, on Friday. Man. Yeah, how cool well, is that? How, but like, she
1: took yeah. it like a champ. You know how like... Uh... You know, that they talk of the flow state and stuff and like uh how you know you're so in the zone that you don't notice anything's going on. Surely surely reminding yourself to wave to the camera. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean that it, just shows it, you how confident she was with yeah. the decision to retire, Hey,
1: <laughs> I know, it's a it's a surefire way to snap you out of whatever uh trance or focus on the on the task at
0: hand yeah they definitely don't teach that in psychology school or when you work with a head coach but let's pray pay tribute to tracy she was our reigning 2019 world cup overall five world cup wins she's got 10 second places 12 third places five times third at world champs that's obviously a little bit of a scar but i mean i think she's she's really achieved so much and she's done it just with such a cool attitude and kind of go hung, she's crashed. She's come back from injury. It's it's so. It's, she's going to be sorely missed on the on the World Cup scene.
3: Yeah. One one thing I've noticed. Yeah. You go on, Eddie.
0: She's had some. Okay. She's
1: had some insane injuries, but like the whole time she's been a good sport and uh, she she like enjoys having a laugh and stuff. Whereas. You know, some of the some of the other I mean like a lot of everyone enjoys it and stuff, but Tracy's always having a giggle and uh yeah, I think just that positive, good vibe attitude will be missed. But I mean like she's she's retiring from racing, but she's not retiring from riding. Whereas you see a lot of people when they stop racing they just it's like they finish riding, but
3: John I can McCauley. She,
1: Yeah. It's like it's like it's like uh you, you retire, so you got fired from your job, and you don't go back there anymore. But like, yeah, I can't. I could never imagine myself doing that because, like, I actually like riding, for one, and racing's just a bonus. And I think that goes with Tracy as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I was, she was racing when I was racing. So 2007 was when she won her first World Cup, and and I was racing then. But what I've noticed most since her win in 2007, do you remember? She was a tiny, tiny, skinny little mouse. And I'm sorry, but you can't win a Women's World Cup these days like that. The only way the women are winning this day, they, they've had to morph their whole training, their preparation. And, and and like most importantly, they've had to morph their bodies into being strong. Um they're still feminine. Oh, Tani
1: Tiny 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 is like she's small but she's stacked. She's like chiseled.
3: Yeah, you look at some of her like when she's flexing, um like she's got way bigger guns than than Chaos and and Kate. Um so so uh, if you think in those in those You throw around a bit,
0: that. You
3: heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: But she is Cade, sure. and
3: uh, talking about Cade. No, well, let's just to Cade. Yeah. You anyway, gotta a quick, finish, uh, you got to finish. Okay, yeah, 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 Tracy. But yeah,
0: Tracy's earned this. That, Cade has earned certain things.
3: Yeah, but but let me I, finish up my statement. You, like you the, can
0: you can use Cade as your standout ride or style of the week. We'll we'll get to him, but I don't want to lose well, sight let me finish of what my, made Tracy her thing: is her hard work, her determination, her training. I mean, she had to keep up with Mick. I've been out there in Cairns. Mick does like forty-five downhill runs. You think Tracy's gonna get away with doing twelve? She's probably doing thirty-five. So they really worked hard out in Cairns, and and that's kind of been instilled in her.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, Needles, you would have met Tracy and Mick's old man too, so you'll know there's no getting out of any runs.
0: No, I mean they've got the outdoor gym at the the parents' house, and and I think he's instilled a proper work ethic in those two and it's and it's paid off you know it's ingrained in them i've i've done off-season training with her when we went to queenstown i've done runs with her she's testing she works closely with the mechanics so she's just the ultimate professional and, it, and it's paid
3: off i mean her run at crankworks new zealand the last downhill race before COVID hit us beat a lot of elite men her time and and her her attacking aggression i was I i was like for sure, this was going to be a, a good year for her, regardless, just seeing how she launched that season off in Rotorua. In I, I mean,
2: I she's been on that team for, for how, how long she's been on that team for?
0: Yeah, no, ages. I mean, since when she came back and did Maritzburg and won, she was, was already getting 20, support. Yeah,
3: and she and she's had 20, numerous... 2012, maybe? And she's had numerous offers from some big, big factory teams to be there... Um, They're marquee female racer. So, you know, sticking with the team, sticking with Mick, and sticking more importantly with the bike obviously answers that that question. Yeah,
0: yeah. What does that mean for Mick? Has anyone
3: spoken to Mick? Mick's still riding as good as ever.
0: No, no, I know. Mick is a racer (laughs) at heart and works. I don't know if he's got the consistency of, say, Greg, but I know that he's got race results in him. I don't know if anyone's spoken to him to like gauge. Is there subtle, like, "Mm, I might retire? Uh, He doesn't
3: sound like he's wanting to retire. He he loves yeah, racing. Always... Nah, he loves it. Racing. If he keeps having more kids, he's going to have to keep racing.
0: <laughs> what to get some sleep or to pay for them? <laughs>
3: pay for the kids and get some sleep. Yeah. So props yeah, to he gets Tracy. Going on a holiday
0: for six months. Yeah, I spoke to who was I speaking to? Maybe it was Fumik or Fontana. I don't know. Some One of the cross-country guys. I'm like, how old are you now? And he's asking me. And he's like, dude, I love it. Going to race is like a holiday. I get to sleep.
3: It would be, be Fontana.
0: Yeah, I think it was. I forget who it was out here in South Africa. I was like, yeah, fair enough. So, But uh, anyway, jokes aside, um, Tracy, yeah, we, we love you. You'll be missed at the World Cups, but she is going to do some crank works. Who knows? She might stop for a year or two and then uh, throw her name back in the hat. You you never know with these things. Someone that that is so driven and competitive. Yeah, she'll
2: probably
3: didn't come she back for um... and then come back
2: and win her first World Cup or like second World Cup. Who Tracy? Yeah, yeah she went yeah, from after...
3: 2007 to 2012. She she was uh, driving a big mining truck
0: after three years off or something like that or more. Um, She literally came back and and won. So, no, I mean, who knows? She might do that again. It just
2: shows you that that, uh, her determination of of racing a bike, but I'm pretty sure, you know, she might get the itch back in a a few more years' time.
0: Yeah, who knows? Definitely. I mean, well, I can attest to this. Greg can't. But once you get a little bit older and you stop crashing, you realize they don't actually want to crash. But anyway, Brooke doesn't know what I'm talking about.
3: That's why Andrew got slower. Yeah.
0: I honestly didn't feel like hitting (laughs) the ground anymore, you
3: know?
1: um she'll come back for for when mick retires in 2040
0: she'll do last, one last year. <laughs> yeah oh that will be great that's a good story we should pitch it to them
3: yeah mick, mick's going to go on longer than yeah. manar just to get that um get that podium at an older age in manar's podium
0: okay
3: let's jump back <laughs> yeah, let's start sure. speaking
0: maybe ride of the week from my side we have to speak about we do jamie, men's and women's jamie or do we... edmondson Oh, we can all just throw, throw a name in the hat. I want to talk about Jamie, first-year elite. Yes, the rain. Bought his in, own bike. Bought his own bike. He has some sponsors, but that is pretty private here. But he has, I looked at his results. He has been racing a long time. He's been doing a lot of races. He's got race experience, but first-year elite, he got 10th in race one. Yeah. So let's 10th. talk about that. It's 10th in race one, and then, yes, a podium with rain help. But the guy can ride a bike for first year elite, and yeah, awesome. He paid for some of his bike or all of his frame. I mean, that's incredible.
3: I can't think of when last a first year, a first year elite went got a World Cup overall podium, um, fifth in the overall. Uh, Tebo Duprelo. Well, yeah, sorry, Tebo T, Duprelo would be that, uh, that. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> oh, about. So now. So you've, that's you've, what jumped, ahead. No, you've not, jumped ahead. No, I'm not. No, I was. Uh, I was thinking about Jamie, but Jamie. He said it himself. Um, he's sort of surprised with 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 how well he did, but it was also his years prep. He raced like you boys or like Eddie. He raced those EWSs and he got a podium at every EWS in the as U-23, a junior. U twenty three to U twenty one. U twenty one with slightly decent times in the elites, um, and he was kind of a lazy junior last year. Um, I, I mean, I don't say lazy junior, but. You're right. Huh.
2: He crashed a lot as a junior, right? Eh?
3: Yeah, he was going hard, but he, he just was kind of coasting uh, with his skill set. And when he knuckled down this year and um, put his own program together cause, because he didn't end with a good junior uh, resume, he, he did the hard work and, and the EWS was some good cross training and skill sets. Um, and they for sure, like everyone else was doing the French Cups for him those three EWSs were all the conditions that they've raced this year. And, and then I won't even say he got lucky by the weather, you know, maybe a few spots for sure. Um, but he got a 10th in the in the, in the the race when there wasn't weather.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had two full World Cup junior seasons under his belt. So he's definitely got some race experience. And what juniors don't crash all the time? Besides, I don't know, Loic and maybe Finn did pretty well. I still well. crash all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, some of us never <laughs> never learn, eh? So yeah, that was pretty oh, cool. And it, here, yeah, and it sounds like Sven's brought out the other standout for the season. You can't not talk about Thibaut De Finn. Sven, you wanna chime in on that? I mean, he is riding shit with experience beyond his years.
3: Yeah, I think that race in Murray um yeah, I, I I you know, no one knew where they stood off after Leo Gang, but um he he you know, he he had he threw away so many, you know opportunities of, of the rainbow jersey and a junior and and World Cup wins and World Cup overalls. Um by being a little cocky, but somehow he's taking that same hunger in elites. And uh you know, it's gotta to be tough to be on a team with with armory and Remy and and uh but at the same time, imagine how much he's gained in those two years as as a junior. Um like, could you have a better grooming to become an elite rider as growing up with 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 Pom Pom and Omri and Remy and 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 their the brothers? Um, surprised that he got there that quick, but holy shit! Um, and he's not afraid. He's still riding like a junior. He's ragged and not smooth, but super skilled. Yeah.
1: He also so he threw away uh, some races in the juniors, but. Um, yeah, he also threw a couple of tantrums in the keyhole in his first couple of uh, in his first couple of elite races, which uh, you know it's you know it's it's okay, it's you know it's a teething period, but um, I'm pretty sure after Thibaut Rufin had a word to him in uh, Maribor that he won't be doing it again. But uh, yeah, don't don't throw a tantrum when you still come into the keyhole and. Qualified well, it's, top five. The finish, it's, uh, the it just finish doesn't. Line. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. just doesn't. It's just not a good look when you still do a good result, but then you throw your toys. So
0: yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that's, never. I'm sure it. that's
1: the last time. I'm sure, that's the last time we'll see it from him. But I think it was worth mentioning.
0: Definitely. <laughs> I mean that 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 shows his youth. Unfortunately, we've all done it. We've slapped the bar. We've we've showed frustration on the TV camera. And you know what? It's it's better to. To get out of that keyhole and do it in the team pits, worst case. I know I've let out some frustration in the team pits, but there was no one around. Um But anyway, I, I used that, to, that's
3: definitely youth. I, I used to always do the classic, um when you cross the finish line, I would like stare down at my tires or my back tire. Because like, it was obvious that I had a flat, but I just wanted to make it super obvious that I had a flat so that everyone knew I had a flat. like. You know, no, it was quite I, a
1: classic I, race I, where you I, got a flat tire, wasn't there?
3: I, I, I not think th- I think I only had one one or two <laughs> finals where I didn't have a flat tire, and then as soon as I didn't flat, I would get top thirties. You know. So
0: for the listener that doesn't know Sven's history, shame on you. But I actually still have an archive podcast I release. So Sven was a <laughs> accomplished skateboarder, then turned professional downhill and learned to race downhill within like two years and qualified at World Cups. But Eddie I wouldn't say like a professional keep... downhill. I raced in the professional,
3: professional. category. But I wasn't a professional. <laughs> oh,
0: you got your expenses paid. Let's, let's yeah. just No, back.
3: like some. Anyway.
0: Come on. Own it. I think you did but really you well a, for like being late you to the quite race. A rivalry.
3: I'm waiting you for this. Quite a rivalry. And I don't know why you keep bringing it <laughs> up or why it's relevant.
0: All right, no,
1: that's I'm not a, even gonna bring it up. It's change change topic. It's just
0: too good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what about has anyone on the other side of the pond, the Kiwis over there, maybe Brooke, does anyone have a standout ride that we haven't mentioned or something that impressed you? I do. Okay, um, well, Brooke first. Eddie, wait your turn. Come on, put your hand up.
1: So I'm um, three gin and tonic speed.
2: <laughs> um, I would have to say this year, definitely, <clears throat> definitely Reese Wilson, world champs. Um. I mean, obviously, conditions weren't uh, weren't in a lot of people's favour, but um, from uh, watching him ride during the whole week, uh, I, you know, I just knew that there was a lot of confidence in him, and obviously, those conditions suit suit a guy like himself, and um, yeah, uh, I think he just attacked that track um, like it should have been attacked um especially with that wood section that we had like um as you would have seen so many people crash in there and it seemed like with reese obviously he was he was uh pretty early down and in the field but um yeah he just seemed like he rode uh rode that bit of woods which i knew from the beginning with the weather that that was where the race was going to be won or lost and you could have made a, a mistake up the top that could have cost you two or three seconds, but rode that woods um clean and feet up and, and gain time. So yeah, I uh I think uh that was definitely a standout ride and um yeah, hands hands down one of the one of the best uh yeah, best runs that I've seen in, in conditions like that, except for for Danny Hart's. But yeah, that was uh that was definitely a great ride by him.
0: Yeah, that run does so for listening at home obviously Brooks given us his 2020 standout ride which i actually like the idea of that of that's the super year super cool ride of the year i think he deserves that um and he
3: backed it up with the first place quality in, in maribor so you can see it wasn't a fluke ride. no eh?
0: no 100 percent. he was running on on momentum and i have all faith that he's gonna gonna deliver so that was pretty cool Yeah, great great to bring that up brooke um we spoke about that in our podcast review of worlds i mean he earned he earned that. I don't care who fell off because even if you didn't fall off, I think he had the speed to do it from the, from the get-go. Eddie, you got a standout ride from loser or for 2020?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Loris Rivelli got 11th in both races. Yeah.
3: What, what a champ. Um, There's a funny backstory about that. I'll, yeah, tell, yeah, you, well, I'll just, tell you later.
1: Well, just like, uh, yeah, he, he's not, you know, he's, a, he's kind of a satellite member of the Kenyan team. And, uh, he is more than, you know, he's, he's turning up, um, to back it up 11th in both races is pretty exceptional. Um, a lot of people wouldn't probably know who he is, but he's, he goes hard. I think he, he won,
3: he won Valdezol as a junior. Yeah. He won Valdezol as a junior. And then, um, that world champs, yeah, he, he crashed and still got fifth or something, but he was always... Gabe, who ran the Da Vinci team then and, and is is managing the Canyon team now. He was always like Gabe loves him and the family, but he's always like the B team, not the factory. And and even at the they made him race the he's never raced e-bikes, they made him race the first E EWS and Zermatt, and didn't even give him the new Canyon e-bike. They're like, Oh, you you're the B guy, so you just ride last year's shitty one with the old motor. Um and then he smoked the guy on the new Canyon e-bike. So next race, you know, and and he didn't want to race e-bikes. He wanted to do the EWS. Then he raced the new e-bike, and then they let him race the actual EWS. Then he became Italian enduro and Italian Daniel champ, and then he does the same in Daniels. So he went from e-bike racer on the B team to turning heads on the, a, you know, he's not on the A team. He's on the collective, so it's it's a group of them. But yeah, dude, that that's good for you for noticing Rivelli, Eddie.
1: Um.
3: One, while, we're, while we're on the top of
1: Canyon, I think uh, one thing worth bringing up is uh, did anyone else notice a barking Fabian Burrell on the side of the motorway?
0: 100%. He wins, wins for uh, barking at his riders out of any team. I definitely, uh, that was awesome I don't know to what, see.
1: I don't know what breed of dog he is, but he was barking pretty loud.
0: <laughs> a Rottweiler.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, um, he did the same thing to Jack. On uh, at one of the enduros. Oh, he the
3: uphill, in, Jack, the uphill in Pietra. Yeah,
1: chasing Jack Rickardy was chasing him up the climb, yelling at his derailleur. <laughs>
3: That's <laughs> it, amazing. I've got to say it worked though, you know, for for Jack. Is, oh, especially,
0: I've got to say yeah, yeah, Jack won, that probably Jack would be my day. standout ride as well as Jack for coming back to townhill and just just absolutely crushing. But I've spoken about him before. What about uh two things? Dakota Norton, we actually have to mention, I mean he's it's not just the Aaron Gwynn for American Downhill Racing, who's back in form. I want to hear thoughts on that, quick ones. And then Dakota Norton has a fifth in race one and the weather didn't help him in race two, but he's he's really he's really coming together there.
1: Yeah, so every run that Dak finished with his peak on,
0: he was,
3: ended up on the podium. I was about to say, his, if his peak was on, he was on a good one.
0: Yeah. There were a lot of these new magnet peaks. <laughs> is a mag- it's not a good thing these days. A lot of people losing peaks.
3: Uh, well yeah. I mean, it's also lets you know that they've hit the head as well. You know, sometimes they're actually not hitting the head, the peaks just clipping something. But um yeah, the wrecking ball, Dak Norton. And
0: what about uh Brooke, I mean, obviously it's maybe interesting or tough to speak about competitors, but I mean, Quinn's had quite the career. It's how can you not look up to it or be impressed? But uh, it seems like he's he's nearing that form. Is there stuff that stands out there? It seems like he's pretty patient, didn't get the the kind of prep he needed for 2020, but I I think that's just what he needed going into 2021.
2: Yeah, def- definitely I have uh I've yeah, I have huge respect for Gwynny, but he doesn't follow me on Instagram which But no, nah, definitely, uh, definitely have so much respect for him, and um, yeah, I just uh, yeah, that second race in Maribor, um, really, I I actually seen him come come back into form and kind of seen that old Aaron Gwynne back, and then yeah, obviously coming into Portugal, he uh, was that and carrying the momentum and and the podium, and then. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was good to see and good to see that he's riding, you know, um, himself again. Obviously, that small mistake in in race two um, cost him, but it would have been good to see where he would have ended up then. Uh,
3: yeah, I, th- I think I think people like that will, c- will call them like career athletes. Um, it's almost like they need well, and the US has has been tough to be training and and i don't know what's going on in the u.s but uh, i'm going to say like if, if there's a full season ahead it's gonna be a lot easier for everyone not just american writers it'll be a lot easier for everyone to well you know who knows who knows actually if there will be a full season ahead next year but it, it's always easier to like plug and play your programs from the from the years before and i think the best thing about gwen coming out to europe was him dragging clay porter out um and Clay Porter is like yeah, the, the that, antithesis of the, of the, of the raw he's like the super slow-mo guy. And, um, it's actually quite really good to see those bikes working, um, in the slow-mo and, and, it's really cool seeing Clay back at the races. He used to live, he used to live with us back in Laguna Beach in, in 2002 or so, 2003, and He's like a little grum. He's like, he got so excited. He met like Loic Bruni for the first time in Maribor. Like Loic came up to Clay and was like, hey, dude. And then when he walked away, Clay was like, dude, that was Loic Bruni. And we're like, yeah, we know who Loic Bruni is. (laughs) And Clay's like, you know, he's super successful doing all sorts of things. um, But he's still such a grum. So thanks, Aaron, for bringing Clay to Europe.
0: Yeah, but that leads to
1: Wasn't he pretty grubby? Who? Clay. Yeah. Oh, you mean
3: when he lived with me? Yeah, he he yeah, yeah, he yeah. was the only child, grew up in San Francisco, and and he didn't know a thing about a thing. Like you have def-
0: helped some people turn into adults. I also stayed at your house. Yeah, and you Anke were- had to show me how to do the washing and help me cook my two minute noodles because uh, I didn't have money. And she's like, "You can eat yeah. with us now. You can't eat that <laughs> shit." So, you guys have definitely helped <laughs> a variety Sam- of riders. When
3: you were living with us, we had like Sam Hill and Rennie and Bryn sleeping on our floor, and Jared Graves because. They stayed with Sean Heimdale in San Diego, and Heimdale would make them stay on like a, a, a tile floor, and he gave them like ten dollar like Costco inflatable mattresses. But when they came to Laguna Beach, they had like thick shag. Oh, you had pulp. amazing carpet. We had good that. carpet. Good so carpet for the boys. So those <laughs> boys would would way prefer sleeping on my floor than Heimdale's floor. Um, Heimdale, dude, come and on. Now,
1: and now you have a, now you have a tiered system at your house in New Zealand where you have
3: a the good
0: bottom tier, <laughs> the good <sleep> where, out <laughs>
1: That yeah, shows well, the, you where the, I've the, got. I the, haven't
0: made it in, to sleep in the main house in New Zealand. No. Shit. I no, do not know that existed.
1: Me, me, and Cole Lucas, me and Cole Lucas get the uh, bottom tier. Mark's got, got the middle tier. And then uh, the main house is only for Sven and Anka.
3: Yeah, and then we got tents in the driveway too, Um, you know. Yeah. So then you then you're, uh, yeah, so you, you so no, actually weren't setup. fourth tier. You were only third third or second tier, Eddie.
0: Yeah, so shout out to Sven and Anka. They've helped the privateers out I there. I can understand you make it cold to live in there. Did you know. Cold being in there, I, yeah.
3: Uh, Iago, Iago stayed in a house in Italy for like three nights and he's already stained the, the IKEA mattresses right right through the sheets, big yellow stain. What well, he pissed himself? I, I would prefer if it was pissed, but it's not that big a yellow stain. It's more of a creamy, smaller stain. Oh, it's probably shit.
0: fake tan. Fake tan? <laughs> fake tan. All right, we're digressing, but yeah, they've definitely helped privateers. That, um, but something did spark my mind is the experienced riders the Aaron Gwyns, the Greg Minas I mean, for Greg, I spoke to him I mean, this is the first time he's been home for longer than, you know, a few months it's the first time he's been in his house for this long, so maybe for him it was a nice break and it helped him get re-energized which, but,
3: which house exactly? But he's got someone, four or five you know,
0: I mean, someone like Matt Walker, you heard him say he's been working at this for the last eight months, so I don't think he took a break, he just took the time to work on his fitness, work on his skill, and he came in. It was a year if you could keep the motivation and prepare. I mean, shit, that kind of is probably what helped him along. Any one of the New Zealanders.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 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 sweet. So, well, if I use, if I, like, compared myself to, like, so, like, Greg would have enjoyed his time at home, and I did the same thing where... Um, you know, not knowing what was going to happen with the season ahead, um, you know, I took, you know, as if if your training leading up to the beginning of the season is like an exponential curve, and your you know, and the start of the season meets that somewhere. Well, where where COVID hit was the beginning of the season for me. So rather than carrying on that curve, I, I like flattened it out and I went and uh, and I like loved. It was the first time I'd spent a long time at home. Um, and it was awesome. It was like I hadn't done a winter since 2011. Um, you know I got, got to do things that I normally wouldn't have done. and it wasn't really involving bikes. Um, you know, I was skiing and stuff, I was working on the house, I was doing lots of different things. And uh, you know it was refreshing that um, having that little break while maybe I didn't have the right, you know, it wasn't the ideal preparation leading into the year. um, It did kind of light the fire again that I really do enjoy doing it. Um, And I think, you know, maybe for Greg, that would have been the same. Um, Whereas Matt, because he's new to it, he carried on that exponential curve and uh, just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And then it meant at the beginning of the season, he was firing on all cylinders where maybe for someone like Greg or myself it took a few races to get into it.
0: Yeah, I mean that makes sense and is exactly what was was coming to mind. The younger guys have still got something to prove. Greg's proved everything and more. Um so yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it and everyone took it differently. Aaron Gwyn as well. I mean, he's he's proved everything. Obviously, it'd be nice for him to add a world champs to the the resume, but it was going to be a tall order in those conditions with not being able to get over
3: to Europe. Sven, anything else you want to add that yeah. we haven't got to? Yeah, well, I mean, we touched on the very beginning. I think I think the real winner here this weekend was was the track. Um, like us four are talking about it, yet us four are the only people not there. But by all reports and and the vibe was very obvious that. It was a bit more chilled out, less militant vibe. It we was still under COVID restrictions. But the people really enjoyed this as the last round. They all went by Nazaré on the way up. And um, the food's good. The locals are good. They're so happy that you're in Portugal. It was such a shame that the fans couldn't be there. But when you've got a track that that Phil's doing Enduro nose turns and then everyone, the top three guys, took a different line down those rooty that rooty section to all different degrees of success – Loic was challenged crashing um early and in, in training and just basically him starting to puzzle and then Laura's been thrown off his game like to have a track usually there's like a fast line and then there's the b line or a slower line, and then you pretty much got ninety percent of the field on on one or two lines max this track for for both races we just we just saw multiple which 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 kept the live feed because you could comment or or look at every little thing because everyone was doing a slightly different line to different degree of success like Loic said he had to he basically wasn't feeling as good in the gnarly tech that root section as everyone else so he's like okay I know I'm not going fastest there so what I'm going to do is just switch to the fastest line on each one which sounds like you would do that anyway but he basically had to take the shortest way down those woods because he knew he wasn't riding it fastest. With someone like Omri or Loris or um, Remy Tiron can ride a slower line faster than the fast line, if that all makes sense. So it's just really, to me, the track was the the winner. And, and it's not on the calendar next year, but um, for sure everyone wants to go back to Portugal.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was good to see a long track. And it, it had everything in it, and and the riders all loving it. The dirt looked good. Um, some parting thoughts on double-headers, maybe, Eddie. Uh, is it something you hope will stay within reason? Obviously, every event can't do it. Is it something you think can be good for the sport? Oh, my, my laptop just died. I'm fully... All right, we might have lost Eddie. but uh, Brooke, do you want a rookie? What a, a rookie.
1: No, no, I'm still here. Oh, oh. nice. Okay. <laughs> so, my laptop just died and then I've rebooted my laptop, and I've just joined the call, and I've just come in on a
0: question, but I don't know what the question was. <laughs> well, that's not bad. You, you, we we, you we really have a, so. a new
3: question. Here's the question.
0: So we, uh, some parting thoughts and something we've missed, as well as uh, thoughts on doubleheaders. Is it something you think that should stay within reason? Obviously, you can't have a million doubleheaders back-to-back or any back-to-back, but, I mean, I would like to see them as a, as a fan and, and as sitting at home. Edward,
3: Eddie's Ed laptop again. Brooke, what do you think on double headers?
0: Um, as a racer, to
2: be honest, I think uh, if we were to do a double header, it would be nice to have maybe one day where we potentially get a well an off day. No, sorry, yeah, an off day or or a full day's practice on a new track. Like, I think I think if we have double headers, it would be sick to have two racetracks. Like you know, almost doing, Right. you know, like one, like what we do for one race, but with two, you know, like going to a place and having having two tracks because, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really thought that coming into um, Maribor that, you know, for me, I always feel like, you know, I build myself up to go as fast as possible for my final run, and then I feel like I could never go back onto the track the next day and go faster if yeah. you know what I mean yeah I I, I feel like um you know yeah but that that was obviously um proved to not be the case in Maribor, but obviously there was changes in the track and and you know weather conditions but yeah I think if there was to be a double header I think two whole separate tracks would be pretty sick
3: yeah it 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 it's a tough one, and and with a full World Cup field, I, I wonder if yeah, like if you didn't have two separate tracks, if the tracks could hold up. I definitely think, I definitely think if we went like around the world to South Africa or to Cairns or to New Zealand or to Australia, you know, I think if you're going to go really far and only have one World Cup, maybe that's the time we have a, a double a double header because yeah. you're yeah, justifying. 100%. Yeah, and and also you can't maybe have it with a cross country because there'll it'll be too much stuff going on. But I yeah. I, I also one hundred percent think a double header should be full prize money. Not that you guys need your prize money, but the fact that they divided the prize money but charged people full entry, you know, and
2: yeah, it's,
3: yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, and then I mean,
2: I, I that um their their junior Dennis he got twelve euros twenty or twelve euros fifty for ninth place.
3: Yeah, and I mean, and and you guys, I'm I'm surprised you guys didn't kick up, or maybe it's just because you're focusing on the racing. At World Champs, um, for the first time ever, um, the, you know, the Daniel and the cross country prize money has has been even. Um, for the first time ever, the cross country prize money went up. The e bike cross country prize money went up. And the downhill prize money went down at World Champs. So, the fact that these little things are creeping in without anybody being aware until it's already a decided thing—it's not like it was put up. You know, I don't know how that even yeah, happens, the, and how you guys let it happen, and how the exactly. team, it's how the bullshit, and how the team manager let it happen. But, um, you know, this year there's a lot of things you can let happen, like the maybe for the the race organizer who literally couldn't um, because you couldn't have spectators he has to be the one that also trumps up the prize money um, that there was only half prize money, but they put in, you know, double the effort. So I'm willing to overlook certain things this year because of the financial implications of COVID. But to ask you guys to do your job and everyone else doing their jobs at added expenses with all the extra COVID tests and, and ways you have to travel, but then only do half prize money or, or you know, or taking prize money away at, from downhillers at world champs and giving it to cross country and e-bike is that's just unacceptable.
2: That's bullshit. That's one hundred percent bullshit. And this is what Eddie and I were talking about the other day. Like, it's it's the fact that we don't speak up. Like, we we really need to speak up because it's you know we we just want to ride our bikes. And at the end of the day, we can't be asked, you know, speaking up about that stuff. But we really should because you yeah. know at, at the day it affects us. And like, yeah, it's, it just sucks because we kind of just get walked over um, with stuff like that.
3: Yeah, it's hard like the last thing you guys need to be doing on a, on a when you show up for track walk is is having thinking about having some protest or strike because that you guys are there to keep your head in the game and you know you're you almost you know, it, it's it's a it's a tough one but also you know it's a it's a culture we should be you know things should be handled differently and really the elite team manager should be catching these changes earlier or, or you know you need somebody like neathling or steve pete that's that's (laughs) or maybe someone like neathling because he's not affiliated with a a factory team like steve is but um yeah you have your riders reps but really they they're looking out you know they got they're there to race and 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 or maybe there's conflict of interest you know like finally pom pom realized how disadvantaged it is if you don't get that little extra quick practice run and and extra time training so it's um yeah man um Mm.
0: The positive thing is there was racing. It's, it was always going to have maybe an asterisk or there's going to be negatives. But thank goodness there was racing for everyone that earns a salary for all these teams. I mean, if there's no racing, a lot of guys would have looked at some pretty potential pay cuts. You know, you you didn't get to do your job. And that's pretty tough because it's out of control. So everyone gets hurt. Due I, had, COVID, a, I so. had a pay
3: cut. Spomen didn't pay me for like eight months.
0: But anyway, I think it's positive that we got to race. We got world champs. Yes, the weather was tough for everyone. But we got two world cups. We got four races. They're awarded overall. There's a lot of positives, and like Sven says, unfortunately you got to overlook the negatives because who knows the politics and to just get a race during oh, these conditions.
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Like um, we are lucky. We are lucky that we get to do, you know,
3: yeah. we don't.
1: It's not like yeah, yeah. We're just lucky that we had a race to go. Had races to go to where a lot of other sports, you know, like I follow surfing pretty close, and. You know, all their athletes had their, you know, they had their salaries cut in like quarter, um, and you know, there's no series or anything. And then um, if you can't travel and stuff, if you're not from somewhere that has waves, whereas like we were able to make the choice to attend a race, and it was our choice. It wasn't like you know we had a race to go to. So hats off to anyone who was involved in getting these events off the ground because it wouldn't have been easy in you know, we love to bitch and moan, but at the end of the day, we also love to race. And I would, you know, for all the little things that I like, yeah, we would like to see changed. I don't really care because we've still got to race, and that's what we like to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's well said. I think it's human nature. You'll find some negatives, or it's it feels good to bitch and complain, but. There were so many positives from the year, so many great standout rides, and I think that is an off-season thing for you guys to tackle and, and get more of a representation and speak up in the off-season because if you don't speak up or at least don't try, you really can't bitch because you you know if, if it wasn't ever said or it wasn't tried, even though there's a lot of red tape. So that's probably a podcast for another day. Guys, you guys have been yeah. awesome with your time, even though you've got nothing to do and you're stuck in a hotel room. I still <laughs> I do still really appreciate it. And I do think there'll be podcast spinoff with that. I think Brooke started speaking to things that I wanted to go way deeper on, but we'll have to pause that for another day after he's got home and, and got back to his family and all that. So guys, thank you so much for your time. Thanks to Sven, who, this is awesome. For the first time, I've got to sit in the same room. Like I said, I did a COVID test when he came in the door. So that was fun. So, yeah, thanks again for everything. That was awesome. Don't change. The fans love it. We love it. So thanks again. Thanks to Sven. Thanks to anyone that downloads us. Share, like, do all those internet things and send us some feedback. Thanks, guys. So Cheers, boys.
1: We'll see you guys later.
0: See you in New good Zealand. Time. Wow. I had fun with that. That was good. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That was another version of bench racing. Guys, if you liked the episode, please share it with a friend, give it a review, rating, subscribe, send me some feedback if you liked what we did. I read all the messages. So guys, again, really appreciate all the feedback, downloading all these episodes. It's been fun getting these things together. Till the next one, hope you stay well.